It's that time again, always a favourite of mine as I get to reflect on just how lucky, like truly lucky I am to have had another series of incredible guests and just utterly soulful conversations. I mean, I could never have even imagined this. I have to say that something I've really taken away from this series is the way in which each of my wonderful, absolutely, truly wonderful guests have found a different way to do what they love. And I think it shines a light on the uniqueness that lies within each of us. I also believe it's part of what I think defines being a founder, that power and ability to be agile, to be almost chameleon-like, remembering that if something isn't working, it lies within your own hands to change it. And I sometimes jokingly call it founder titus, because honestly, I believe in the magic, the magic ingredient that we all have. Bow your head and let your eyelids close on down Where we're going you won't need to bring your frown I'm Holly Tucker and welcome to Conversations of Inspiration. Back in 2006, I founded Not On The High Street for my kitchen table and since then I've gone on to launch Holly & Co. I'm the UK ambassador of Creative Small Businesses and I believe that having a business doing what you love is the key to a happy, fulfilled life. My dream is to help everybody start theirs. I'm here to offer advice, inspiration, wisdom and encouragement. And in my view, the best way to do this is by sharing stories. So I've reached out to my favourite small businesses, entrepreneurs and those who simply inspire me and ask them to share theirs. With thanks to Adobe, who've helped bring this podcast to life. Here are my conversations of inspiration. So when I spoke to Shamil, co-founder of Dishoom, I soaked up every word of his beautiful philosophy that business should always have a little poetry at its heart. It was something that he felt instinctively when building an Indian restaurant brand in the heart of London that put culture, soulfulness, kindness and authenticity centre stage. Talking to Shamil, I was really blown away by his creativity and the vision and his beautiful way in which he approaches business. So people thought I was bananas and then gradually it came together and uh, and I would say, well, we're doing an Indian restaurant. People thought I was an idiot. Even restaurants were sort of slightly silly. And then I would say, no, no, but we're going to have a really good breakfast. People thought I was completely potty. (laughs) And now I think you know, de- definitely half of our customers arrive before 5pm and our breakfast is probably 20% of our customers. So we have an incredibly busy breakfast. So all of, all of that did start, but I think it was really during the journey uh, that we discovered the poetry was important. And I think what I probably would say, if I can interpret retrospectively, is that I don't think it's any good being better at the things that other people are good at. That's a bit of a fool's errand. So for me, on a personal level, I think on a business level it's slightly different, but on a personal level that was doing great spreadsheets and getting a really good consulting job or you know, landing an investment banking job. I did that very briefly. But, uh, and being the best at that. And you, you can do all that because other people value it and other people are doing it. But I think a better thing to do is to figure out how you see the world differently, why you think the world is different, and, and then do something about that. And, you know, an extreme example is Jim Henson was just a guy who played with soft toys until he wasn't, until he invented the Muppets. Um, Mm. And I I think it's better to figure out why you're deeply weird and and act on that. And I think that Dishim looks quite natural now. We're here sitting here and 
we're telling a story of a guy in 48 and it's Art Deco and jazz and India and Bombay and Chai and it all fits together. But those aren't natural bedfellows before you think no. they are. And then they can be because you put them together and it's, it sort of works. My goodness, those words, huh? I had never heard of putting poetry at the heart of your brand before, but it got me thinking about all the ways each of us can change how we do things, how each of us needs to be brave so that we can find our niche, the things that make us us, and put a little poetry at the heart of all we do. It actually prompted me to start to craft something here at Holly & Co. I can't share much, but safe to say this was a conversation that totally blew me away. As founders, we know that sometimes it's sheer determination which carries us through. Literally the only thing that keeps us going during the tough times. So when my next guest, Nicola, co-founder of Neom Organics, spoke about why this grit, this perseverance that she has by the bucket load, by the way, are exactly the skills we need to share with our children, it struck such a chord with me because I think we also all know that these are exactly the experiences that shape us all. You know, when you look back, you you have to say no regrets, don't you? Because how can you say like a Jenga board if you took out those two shitty years or moments or whatever, that it it would have all fit together? It wouldn't. So you just can't think like that. And I think one of the greatest skills that you can have, and luckily I would definitely say in amongst the bag of semi-skills that I've got, is grit. And I suppose that time mate you had to be you just had to be mm. um, go back to the Condé Nast years where you were sat on the floor you you just had to be and so I do now sometimes worry that in this slightly more pampered environment that we are raising children bringing them into I'm not that's not negating the harshness as well but I do worry how you tread very carefully between giving your children, I always look at this through the eyes of my own kids now, enough grit and reality, whilst also looking out for obviously all the things that now are a concern, their mental health and their social media sort of uh, implications. So that's hard. And I suppose it's only when you can look back as an adult and go, oh yeah, my mum drops us off, ha 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 ha, at the stables at five and we didn't die. And But would we do that now? I mean, of course you wouldn't with your own children. As Nicola said, it's something of a beautiful balance, constantly seeking to find that sweet spot so we can encourage our children and the next generation to be brave enough to follow their dreams. Which brings me to my next guest that I want to recount, a completely remarkable woman who is continuing her work of her late great father, Ken Robinson, who posed the question, imagine if creativity was as important as literacy, maths or science. I mean, really think about that for a moment. Kate explained how important it is to not only nurture and encourage our young, but of how she believes this is the generation that are speaking out for what they believe in and how we as adults must listen. This generation that's coming up at the minute gives me a huge amount of hope. You know, I, we often talk about the education revolution and in it we often talk, you know, to parents and to teachers, to educators. Dad had a beautiful expression, which is um, phrase, you know, if you are an educator, you are the system. So if you change what you're doing for the kids in your class, you have changed yeah. the education system because they don't care what's happening on the other side of the world or even down the hall. They care about what happens when they walk into your class. It's absolutely true. But we forget 
that the whole education system was established for young people, right? And so if we yes. get young people involved in the education revolution, then that's a real revolution. And these, this is, you know, the generation who's striking for climate change, you know, they're marching for their lives. They're the young voices of the Black Lives Matter movement. Um, you know, they're questioning, you know, the patriarchy and gender norms and... Also, you know, I, I, it almost makes you embarrassed. I'm a millennial and it almost makes me think, oh, what, what did we do when we were that age? You know, we had low, <laughs> low rise jeans and, <laughs> you know, and big brother. But, um, but this generation cares, you know, they really, and that's cool as well, which is, you know, that, mm. that, you know, it was when it, tiny dogs were cool when I was a teenager. Now, when you're a teenager, it's cool that, you know, you're, you're different. You stand up to, you know, you fight for something that you believe in. Um, and I think it would be criminal for us as the generations who were supposed to be guiding and steering them to not listen to them when they speak and that you know that doesn't mean to just hand them the microphone and the keys to the car and say get on with it you obviously know what you're talking about because you can't there is something about lived yes. experience and aging that you know and yes. having learned so much yeah, yeah seriously <laughs> <laughs> no there has to be surely but it's about mentoring again like we said and, and guiding but listening massively um and they're having a moment and this is something I've been thinking about a lot and again I'm not I don't want to this isn't the hill I want to die on but I have I have a theory around it which is that every generation has a moment before life kicks in, before debts get too overwhelming, before responsibility kicks in, where it's much easier to have ideals because you're not having to sell your soul to make the bills, you know, make the ends meet. So we will miss that opportunity, I think, with this generation if we don't start nurturing them now through it. It's, you know, when they 18 is too late to start giving people a voice. Also, you know, we we in the West here, we live in, in a democratic society, you know, and, and children graduate 18 and they've been told their entire first 18 years that they have no voice and what they say doesn't matter. Um, you know, they have no bodily autonomy. They have no, you know, they, they, they're just, they have to go to school. You know, mm. we give them no voice. And then we hand them a ballot when they turn 18 and, and don't understand why our democracy doesn't work properly because suddenly you have a voice and you don't know what to do with it. You know, you know, how do you trust that your voice really matters if you've been told your entire life that it doesn't? Um, so, that, you know, there's so, this, I could go on for hours on this one, but there's, there are so many reasons why it's important to start listening to young people now. I think those words will really affect me every time I hear them, as I do believe so wholeheartedly in them. I think of my dear Harry, who unbelievably will be 18 in a few months, and my spirit daughter, Olive, whom I know is filled with so much creativity. And I too am so hopeful for the future that they'll have. And I dream that they will build a life and a career every bit as unique as they are, one full of opportunity, freedom and purpose. It's that generational shift that we are all starting to see and feel, knowing that the traditional career path or career ladder, as it's known, straight up and down, is now being replaced with a much more squiggly line, as my next guest, Helen and Sarah from Amazing If, will testify to. It was a conversation that spoke of a willingness to be more open and more honest about who we really are and that with the right tools and skills, we can not only build a career we love, but have the confidence to recognise our inner strengths too. The thing that we've noticed with confidence gremlins, A, is that everybody has them. So actually, I, I did a session this morning on this, actually, with a team, an international team. And I, they all went into a breakout room to talk about their confidence gremlins. And I and I asked them when they came back, like, I wasn't in all of your conversations, so, so let me know how it helped. And they said words like, oh, it felt like really liberating. I feel, someone said, oh, we've all got the same monsters. <laughs> and it was like, yeah, we, we do. We all, everybody has these gremlins, these beliefs that hold them back. And the more that we can talk about that and understand it and support 
it that that's how we start to overcome it and so so for example i have a a, a confidence gremlin that's really rooted in like a need to be liked which actually mm-hmm. quite a lot of women have and mm-hmm. society creates a bit of a context where that gets fed to be honest you know you, girls are brought up to be nice mm-hmm. and the way it holds me back if i can understand that and share it the way it holds me back is sometimes it stops me being challenging because i equate in my mind if i'm too challenging that's a that's me being difficult and if I'm being difficult and demanding then people won't like me and what I started to recognize and what we encourage people to recognize is how is your confidence gremlin actually getting in your way so in my career it would stop me challenging people where they might be saying things I didn't agree with or if I had a different perspective it would stop me speaking up and as I started to progress in my career I realized that was holding me back I wasn't sharing my views and opinions. That the real crux for me, though, of caging my confidence gremlin came when I realised I was actually holding other people back. Because how could I help the people that work for me if I wasn't confident enough to have a challenging and difficult conversation? How could I make careers better for everybody if I couldn't change the way that things were being done? Mm. And it was that tipping point when I when I took the awareness of okay, you, you've got this thing that's getting in your way, but. I also took the implications of it on me and my career and other people's career that I was like, we, now I need to do something different. How amazing. And to think that if all of us were a little braver, all the little changes that we would start to see in the world would be bloody special. As you know, I'm passionate about celebrating small businesses and championing creativity within all of us. That's why I'm thrilled to be working with Adobe Express, who each week are handing over their ad break to a small business founder, shining a light on their own businesses and sharing how Adobe Express really is helping fuel their creativity. Hi, I'm Petrula of Petrula Jewellery. I create colourful and creative gold and semi-precious stone jewellery designed to be worn as a personal expression of who we are and where we've been. For me, jewellery has always been about more than just fashion and Petrula Jewellery is a brand that celebrates strong women, the highs and lows of our lives and each of the charms represent our milestone moments. Being able to tell my brand story and the story of each charm is really important to me as it helps create a personal connection with my customers and their own journeys. But like many solo small business owners, finding the time to create beautiful on-brand graphics for my social media isn't easy. And that's why I so appreciate the new Adobe Express app. It's literally a dream to use, and it's been helping me create really professional-looking content quickly. I love the fact that I can upload all my brand colours, images, logos and fonts, and find them quickly and easily when I need them. It definitely gives my social channels a unified and consistent look, and it's been a huge time saver. I've also been using the beautifully designed templates on Adobe Express to create flyers and invitations for my pop-up events. And as someone who's always had a fear of creating content, fearing it wouldn't be up to scratch, it's given me the confidence to give it a go and get it out there in the world. So if you'd like to see my jewellery collection, you can find me at petrula.com or come and say hi over on Instagram at petrulajewellery. Thank you once more to Adobe, who have helped to make this podcast episode happen. If you want to find out more about Adobe Express and how it can help your business, head over to adobe.com slash go slash Holly Tucker. Now let's get back to our conversation of inspiration. 
my next favourite moment, the wonderful Josie Norton. Josie is the founder of the pioneering humanitarian aid charity, Choose Love. It's a charity that promotes compassion, people helping people and a true generosity of heart. Josie calls herself an accidental activist and says her mission is personal. It's about humans. I mean, can you imagine? It gave me such goosebumps. And here she's going to share a little more about the work she has been doing over the last seven years and the shifts that we've seen in society and her hopes for the future. I think there's been lots of positive shifts. I think that the kind of funding sector and even the public as well understand that actually the kind of traditional models of aid don't necessarily work and we need to be supporting community-based organisations. We need to be thinking about solutions, not just giving people food packs. We need to be really thinking about what are the root causes of problems? How can we be supporting local economies? How can we getting, how could we be stopping people needing to be displaced in the first place? And I definitely like to think that we've been part of that shift. But at the same time, I see a lot of it happening in conversations and conferences and then in reality on the ground that shift in where funding reaches hasn't necessarily always happened and when we started in 2015 there were 68 million people displaced in the world there's now close to 100 million Mm. and that is a really like sad it's it it doesn't bode well for the future with climate change there's a mad statistic that they're estimated it will be a billion people by 2050. And so there has to be so, like some big shifts in how governments and how politicians are thinking. And I think there are a lot of the right conversations are happening, but because we're getting into a society that's more and more polarised, you know, they are. it isn't always necessarily happening within the groups of people that hold power. And Mm-mm. I started out as very like, shouty activist I guess and now I'm very much like we have to be able to like we we have to use this time wisely and we have to have conversations with people and we have to find common ground and we've got to work together because the stakes are really really high Mm -hmm. but I do think I keep talking about how amazing they are but all of our partner organizations all of these grassroots organizations these incredible leaders with lived experience as their organizations formalize and as as they grow the impact that they're going to have in the world and the knock-on effect I I I feel even though I've said lots of really yeah. depressing statistics I feel really hopeful because I I do yeah. feel like that shift is changing and it's like it, transitions are always painful and I but I I do feel like We have to believe that the world is going to get there. You know, those words sort of bring me back to my initial thoughts about all of my wonderful guests in this series. They have been open-hearted enough to expose their vulnerabilities. And I think this might be the key to unlocking that little part of ourselves that we so often keep hidden from the outside world. But it really makes me think that if we can hold on to those emotions that we feel when we're maybe feeling out of our depth or feeling nervous, these are the moments in which we can find something special. It's where a little of the magic hides and it's what can spur us on to be brave and take the risk. 
Marisa from Masoma was someone who took this risk, creating a whole new category for demi-fine jewellery within the industry. And speaking with Marisa was a breath of fresh air and she was so open and honest enough to share her story of it taking a decade to become an overnight success. Marisa's journey is one that celebrates following your instinct, or as I call it, your inner compass. And here she shares some of the pivotal moments that have seen her break down boundaries within the industry and how sometimes the brilliance lies in the things that we can't see. I think you have to be willing to go through that hard slog and those years of feeling like you're getting, you're not getting anywhere because nothing good comes out easily and you need to accept that. And by the way, for those that I've seen who come straight out of college and it all comes too easily, they go through some hard times too, because suddenly they get a wake up call where, I don't know, something, you know, isn't right in, you know, a year, three years, whatever it is down the line, and they don't know how to handle it. Because if you've gone through the hard graft, I think you're better prepared to handle those difficult times that really are challenging. And, and I actually think that, for example, when COVID came, Missima, we as a business were really able to change our sort of whole model and mindset and be incredibly agile in our response because we were so used to our grafter roots and being agile as a, as a growing business. And I think it really helped. But I think that also comes from your own experience, but then what you imbue in your team. And that's where that company culture, which we can get onto later, is so important. And that comes from your learned experiences as well. What a lesson. I think that when we know there is beauty in the journey of what we are creating, we can enjoy it more and maybe not just be in a rush to get where we're going. The old adage of it's a journey, not the destination rings true. And it is something I hear from so many of the founders and leaders that I respect. I think it's a brilliant thought to hold close because this series has also been a reminder that the road can be long and lonely and times very, very tough. The going is not always easy, but actually it's how each of us tackles the challenges and obstacles in our way that really defines us. And that leads me on to my last conversation of the series with Charlotte Wood, founder of the magical Polar Post, whose business I'm just completely obsessed with. From the moment I started speaking with Charlotte, I had this warm and fuzzy feeling inside. And it is incredible that she built this business of her dreams by spreading Christmas cheer and making the magic of Father Christmas accessible to all I suppose that was how I imagined motherhood to be, a bit like having a doll. And it's it's not. And when she was born, it was a horrible, horrible birth that went on for days. And very quickly afterwards, this sort of darkness descended. And I sort of find it quite hard to talk about even now because I do feel very guilty about that time, I suppose. I think anybody who's gone through that does Mm -hmm. it doesn't really leave you and I just wasn't at all myself I would just cry having a conversation with anybody I felt afraid all the time and I went from being someone who craved time on their own to not being able to be on my own for a second and that was really really odd for me you know I remember just sort of begging my husband not to leave and go to work, which must have been horrendous for him. But 
I was completely lost. And it was the sort of darkness where there was no... There was no chink of light that could get in at all. And you feel so awful about it because you think, I've wanted this baby my entire life and I'm not being the best mum yeah. for her. But anyway, I ended up, I did a lot of television watching during that time. And I was watching a television programme called Our Zoo. And there was a scene in it with these penguins. And just suddenly, you know, it's very hard to look at a penguin and not feel something because they are yeah. so glorious. And I just suddenly, they made me smile. And this little chink of light just kind of opened up to me. And I thought, right, well, if I can feel that in that second, I know I can get back to where I was. It's still in you. Yes, exactly. And you do have to kind of claw your way back out of it. I'm very bad at asking for help. And that's why I never went to see a doctor during that time. And I really should have, I think. But about a month later, somebody whisked Rose off for a little walk and gave me a couple of hours on my own. And from that, just poured out polar post. I sat down at the kitchen table and wrote reams and reams of notes on what would become Polar Post because the thing that kept me going during that time was that her first Christmas was coming up. And so that was my real focus, Yeah, was making that first Christmas really special for her. And I wanted her to, you know, the things that had mattered to me as a child, I wanted to make them really special for her. And it was only in trying to do that, that I realised there was this gap in the market. You know, there was nothing like Polar Post out there. All the Christmassy websites were quite cartoon-like and I've always felt quite strongly that he's a man who would do things very... Well, he'd do things properly. You know, he'd have the proper yeah. stationery <laughs> and he'd tell the stories. So it's really interesting to me because I still have those pieces of paper and you can go through them and literally tick off things like the Dasher and Dancer bar. It's all there. It literally just poured out in an hour or so. And my friend came back and said, so have you had a nice time? And I sort of showed her what I'd done. And I think she thought, oh my goodness. I meant, you know, go and have a, a manicure or something. But, <laughs> <laughs> you know, that was my way of getting out of that, really. I was so touched when Charlotte so beautifully shared with me the memories of her darkest days after the birth of her first child, but also how she used such admirable strength and courage to find light in those difficult days, which led her to start her Christmas journey. And Charlotte's story is a testament to the saying that the hardest of times are never really the end, and that a founder's passion and purpose really can be a life raft when life's waters get rocky. As you know, each week I hand over to each one of my guests to read their wonderful letter to their younger selves. And as usual, I had to choose two because not only do they really capture the highs and lows of the journey, but they fundamentally plead with us to trust and be kind with ourselves. And after a terrible legal battle to save her company, Renee Elliott, co-founder of Planet Organic, has more wisdom than most. And after speaking with her, I felt a huge wash of calm come over me. Her composure and presence of mind were every bit as soothing as her utterly serene voice. 
And no one has had more twists and turns in their journey than the vivacious and captivating Trini Woodall. Her episode for me was a celebration of survival instinct of all entrepreneurs. And I felt as though her letter to self could in many ways be a letter to us all because it was a true lesson in life, so full of wisdom, experience and warmth. These letters, aren't they? They're so beautiful and so soulful. And they reminded me of how important it is on this journey to not only be kind to others, but be kind to ourselves. So I leave you with the serene and soothing words of Renee Elliott, co-founder of Planet Organic, and the wonderfully witty and warm Trini Woodall. And I do send a huge, huge heap of love your way. Dear you. Hi, beautiful. I've been given the gift of writing to you. Some of this you figured out already, or will figure out anyway. But here are 10 truths that will save you time. 1. You are enough. This is the most important thing you need to know. Most of the world believe they aren't enough. They compare themselves with others, and they look outside themselves for happiness and anything to make them feel enough. But you are enough as you are. Go within. Be you. You are enough because you are energy. You are a being of light. You are everything you want to be. Your true self at your core is perfect. You are part of the earth, part of nature, which only and always creates perfection. Consider a tree or a butterfly. So feel the sacredness within you. Free the goddess within you. You can do anything you want to do. Two, follow the sacred triangle of relationships. That is, trust yourself, respect yourself, and be in good communication with yourself. Trust, respect, and good calm. For example, when your body tells you it's tired, then stop and rest. Hear the communication. Trust yourself and respect your body by stopping. Your body is the most precious gift you have while you live on this earth. Feed it the best food, keep it moving and fit, and let it rest. Practice the sacred triangle in all of your important relationships at work and at home. Three, trust your small, still voice. That is your inner knowing, your intuition, your heart. You will always know what is best for you, your life, your work, your family. Trust your heart and don't allow anyone to direct your life. Take care of self first. Nurture the six areas of your well-being. Physical, occupational, psychological, economic, social, and spiritual. Your well-being affects everyone you know and everything you do. When you take care of yourself first, you can then truly and sustainably show up for everything else and everyone else in your life. Five, self-awareness enables choice. Awareness of your thoughts, reactions, charge, emotion, gives you the choice to respond differently. Awareness enables you to see that the negativity is in your head and frees you from it. Awareness frees you from being at the effect of your thoughts and emotions and at the effect of others. Six, practice objectivity with your thoughts. A thought 
is not a fact. I'll say it again. A thought is not a fact. And if you grip a thought, if you stew over something someone says or something going on, it becomes a thought form or an emotion and can take over and paralyze you with its power. See a thought as just a thought. Become aware of thoughts and simply let them be. Learn to drop thoughts instead of gripping them. Seven, in life there is suffering. It is important you understand this because you need to know how not to suffer. Emotional suffering is because the world isn't as you want it to be or think it should be. And when people suffer, they either run away, escape, deny, or suppress. So here's how not to suffer. One, awareness. Self-awareness gives you choice. Two, accept things as they are, not as you want them to be. Three, doing this will make you less tense, less afraid, and create openness. Four, then instead of reacting, you respond. Five, take responsibility for your part in what's going on. And six, see what possibility opens up because now you are in awareness and openness and look for the solution. Please use this process to reduce or eliminate the suffering in your life. Eight, everything is perfect. Life unfolds as it should. Reach for this when you need reassurance. Trust there is a greater intelligence at work. No matter what happens, know that everything will be okay. The universe only throws at you that which you can handle. And remember, you can't control what happens in your life. Your agency lies in how you respond. Nine, laugh and have fun. If it's not fun, it's probably not worth doing because life is the day-to-day -day journey. 10, you are loved. Another way to say all of this is know yourself, forgive yourself, trust yourself, respect yourself, put yourself first, direct yourself, manage yourself, love yourself, and truly be yourself. I will write again, take care of you, I love you, me. Dear Trini, don't worry if all your friends feel they know what they want to do. Sometimes it takes time to figure out what's going to work for you. When you do something to fit in with the crowd, like a little gossip to make people feel that you're in the know, think about it, where it will lead and what drives your compulsion to share it. Because generally, it's more about you than about other people. We do this sometimes when we feel we want people to like us more, to be the knower of secrets. But if you turn the tables, sometimes it's worth thinking about why somebody feels a need to gossip and what's going on with them. Stand up for what you believe in and be vocal about it, as then it enables other people to see where you stand more clearly. Try not to be scared to be the first one in a discussion with an opinion. It shows that you know how to take a risk. Don't worry if they don't agree with your opinion because the right person will so appreciate that you have one. Keep your friends close and your enemies closer. Don't do drugs. You can be your best self without them. Try not to live your life through somebody else, taking on their beliefs and opinions that might not be your own in order that they like you more. In the long term, 
you will lose the sense of who you are and what you believe in. Trying to fit into a career that your parents want, but you are unhappy and unfulfilled in, will only let yourself down. It might take time to find a career that really makes you happy, but it has the potential to be there for you if you let yourself find it, and you will be a CEO. Money. Let's talk about debt. Think about what you're buying and why you're buying it. Buying can be about filling a hole that might be best filled elsewhere. But sometimes buying something is also a way of rewarding ourselves for working really hard, achieving a goal. And with that at the back of your mind, it might be difficult sometimes when none of these are the reason. Work out the difference between buying something to reward yourself and buying something to fill a hole. Remember, 99% of everything you worry about will never happen. Let's talk about guilt and shame. Guilt is about an action that involves other people and shame you give entirely to yourself and is totally internalized. Shame is really the voice inside your head saying you don't have a right to be you. When you hear this voice, it's really important to know that it's not actually the core of you, but just the voice inside your head. You can talk to it and you can tell it to quieten down. You can use devices such as meditation just to give space in your head. Your acne will get better and fake tan is not your friend. Before you go, don't forget to head to adobe.com slash go slash Holly Tucker to find out how Adobe Express can fuel creativity in your business. And if you've enjoyed this episode, if it's helped you along your journey or inspired you, would you mind rating and reviewing? Your support means the world to me. It really does spread the word and will help inspire even more people to build a life they love. And if you want to hear all our latest news, you can sign up to my weekly newsletter, Holly's Desk Notes, over at holly.co. 